Hey everybody, welcome to The Afterword. I'm Dave Tish. The Afterword is our weekly podcast where we talk about what we didn't get to talk about in the week's message. We are in week two of a sermon series called Called Out, in which we are investigating what it means to be the church through the lens of our three loves at Westgate. Love God, love one another, and love your neighbor. And this week we're talking about love one another. And that reminds me of the Muppets. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking the Muppets? Yes, the Muppets. Do you guys remember the Muppets? Man, I love the Muppets. I love the Muppets with an everlasting love. In my classroom, back when I taught high school, I had this giant poster of like all the Muppets all crammed together. And sometimes I would just stare at it. Here's why I love the Muppets. They're a bunch of weirdos. Every single character has either a giant flaw or a deep insecurity or both. You've got the narcissist Piggy who just really thinks way too highly of herself. Anything worth doing is worth having someone else do for you. Don't make me tell you again. You've got Kermit, who's a bit of a control freak. I'm Kermit the Frog and I told you I want my Kermit the Frog t-shirt. I'll me give up. What? How can you give up? It's something to eat that's round and orange. It's an orange. It's an orange. Me like that fourth clue. Is it an orange? Of course it's an orange. I oh just boy. told you it was an orange. Me guess right. Me no. get cookie. Give me cookie. No, you don't get a cookie. You've got Fozzie, whose insecurities run so deep. Waka, 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 waka. Why is Kermit always so happy? Because he eats whatever bugs him. Ah! Whoa! I'm just I'm trying so hard. He just wants to make you laugh. You've got Gonzo, who's a self-described weirdo. I have a dream, too. Huh? But you'll think it's stupid. No, no, no. tell us, tell us. Well, I want to go to Bombay, India and become a movie star. You don't go to Bombay to become a movie star. You go where we're going, Hollywood. Sure, if you want to do it the easy way. We picked up a weirdo. You've got Animal, who's got rage issues. <laughs> right, beat drum, beat drum. <laughs> it's... They're just the best. <laughs> You've got Mr. Bunsen and Beaker, who I, I guess they're incompetent scientists. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Especially if you catch on fire. That usually means you're onto something. You got Sam the Bald Eagle. You got Waldorf and Statler who sit, and they're just super cynical, and they just sit up in the uh, in the balcony and shout, hurl insults. Well, they say all good things come to an end. What's that got to do with this show? <laughs> uh, I could go on and on. I love these guys. I, I just, the point is, as broken as they are, they just shrug it all off and love each other. And they stick by each other no matter what. It's as though the Muppets is trying to tell us the only other option than what we're looking at here, loving and being loved by a bunch of weirdos, is to live life utterly alone and rejected. And so community is really the only option. And so they choose it. They choose community and they choose friendship and they get it wrong, but sometimes they get it gloriously right. It's actually quite inspiring if you think about it, which I have obviously too much. The point is, that's what we're looking at this week. We've got Andy Gridley and Lisa Averill here to talk about what it means to love one another. So let's dive in. Hey 
everybody. Welcome to the Afterward here with Andy Grigley. Hey, what's up? Good two, to be back. Two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row. I'm uh, sorry to all the listeners. Now, <laughs> now a little bit later, we're going to have Lisa Averill, who spoke at the Saratoga campus. Yeah, awesome. And uh, this week, we're in the middle of a sermon series yep. called Called Out, Yeah. in which we do this every fall. We look at the three loves. Love God, love one another, and love your neighbor. Yeah, it's a chance to kind of get re, re-rooted, re-grounded back yep. in why we exist yep. as a church. Yep. This week, love one another, Yeah, which is really kind of about the way that church functions. It's a little bit like family rules. Mm-hmm. Were you ever a kid when you would go over to your friend's house to spend the night, and it became very apparent that they had different family rules? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. Yeah, like um, I, I think the kinds of movies I was allowed totally. to see. Yeah, one of my best friends, he's not churched, and it was like I'd go home and had lots of questions for my parents. <laughs> I remember one time I went over to my friend's house, and he's like, you want to watch Predator? It was like exactly. a rating. And I was like, uh, uh-huh. yes, I do. All those 90s, like, action, violent movies. And then yeah. for, for breakfast, he had, like, uh, Fruity Pebbles or Cocoa yes, Pebbles. And absolutely. I'm like, Pop-Tarts. I'm uh-huh. like, what is this? Wheaties for me. I never had Wheaties my before. My parents, I know this is hard to believe my parents never allowed me to have sugary cereals that's you missed out it's shocking i'm sorry i don't know why they decided that it's it's a mystery high fructose fructose i guess bad bad call uh so anyway uh but there's also different family when my point in that is when you go to other families you see different dynamics yeah and sometimes they're stark yeah. Or if you've ever traveled internationally, you see the different rules. Yeah. The different... I have a funny story about that. I actually was in Italy for a missions trip. Okay. For kind of like a Billy Graham evangelical, like okay. big tent meeting sort of thing. And I got to play keyboards for this. How, how long ago was this? This was in... Well, I was in college, early college. Okay, so a while ago. It was a while ago. And um, this host family took me back to their house. Uh-huh. These are Italians. And I'd never seen a siesta before, but they fed me this amazing lunch meal and then brought me to their master bedroom. This sounds scandalous, but it's not. And they pulled down the sheets and they said, we honor you. Everybody takes a siesta. You can sleep in our bed. And I was like, these are very different rules. <laughs> like, you will siesta. You will take a nap. You'll take a nap. And I was like, a, you know, college kid. I was like, I don't take naps. I I, I believe in the Italian, Psalm 23, is he makes me lay down in the master bedroom. I believe that's what it says. A place of honor, yeah. Uh, on a, that's Very fun. different family totally, rules. Totally, totally. So the point is, yeah. God has family rules. Yeah. God wants his family to look a certain way. And even though there's lots of other families out there, our family does it this way. Yeah, yeah. And so right. let's dive into kind of what you talked about in terms yeah, of... Yeah, well, this whole series is being called out to live differently than our world yeah. that doesn't know Jesus. And he gathers us around himself. And for this week, one of the distinctions of the church, the ecclesia, is that we really love each other. Yeah. Like we don't just show up and you know, listen to sermons and whatever. We're really invested in each other's lives. We're doing life and faith together. And um, this is one of perhaps the greatest challenges and and most beautiful visions coming out of COVID, in my opinion. Because COVID really forced us to be isolated from one another. It was tough to invest in one another's lives, to do life and faith together during COVID. But more so, I think um, COVID revealed to me at least... um, not so much that it was creating um, isolation as it was revealing that we don't do this that great. Mm-hmm. Meaning, 
So it wasn't that it caused the problem, it revealed the problem. Yeah, that, that yeah. we still have a long ways to go when it when it comes to loving one another, investing in yeah. one another, thinking. I, I would just ask myself this, ask you, our listeners, like when COVID hit, when shelter in place hit, how many people within the church did we reach out to, ask how they were doing, yeah. how many of those people asked us? And I just think that that kind of self-evaluation shows we still have some work to do yeah. around this command to love one another so let's dive into the bible uh there's a couple different passages you could have gone with but perhaps the most famous yeah john 13 34 35 a new command this is jesus speaking so the context here is the it's right before jesus is about to get crucified yeah and he's got a couple of chapters where he gives these long speeches yep and he takes off his outer cloak gets down on his hands and knees yeah gets a basin and a towel and washes his disciples' feet. Yeah. This is the context for yeah, this. Yeah, he's like, hey, I'm king. I'm a different kind of king. Wow. I'm going to get down as a king and use my power to love yeah. and serve you. And this is what it means to follow me is, yeah. is to love that same way. So, and then here in John 13, 34, it continues and he commands his disciples, those who are gathered around him, yep. his person, his truth, his love, his grace, his forgiveness. He says to those people, Christians, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this love, this way that you love one another, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples hmm. if you love one another. Man, there's so much to unpack there. Yeah. Um, by this, everyone will know that you're mine. Yeah. By the way that you love one another, and then he's model. He's he's basically modeling it yeah. by getting on his hands and knees and washing. Their feet. Yeah, He's saying, this and we is... know, like first century, like as the church gathered in yeah. a very different context than how we gather today, mm-hmm. uh, that was appropriate for the first century. As they gathered, mm-hmm. it confounded culture around them. They were like, "Whoa, the way slaves and wealthy people, men, women, all these these groups that were divided are gathered together and yeah. loving one another." Yeah, this was so different that people were like, "I want in on that." Yeah, because it, it 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 testified to a different love, a deeper yeah. love that's only found in Jesus. Yeah, this this is one place you went. You also went to Paul's um, command or Paul's pleading yeah. in Ephesians. Yep, Paul, who one of the ways I think about it, maybe it's not the right way to think about it. I think that Jesus kind of lived the perfect symphony. Yeah, he lived he lived the perfect um, symphony, and, and then Paul's like trying to parse out the sheet music and teach people how to play it. You <laughs> That's know? a good way, yeah. Um, and so in Ephesians 4, Paul says some things to the church about the practical applications of what it means to love one another. Yeah. And we're talking about in the local church context. We're talking about like like Westgate Saratoga or Westgate South Hills or Casa de Fe. Yeah. The local bodies yeah. of a local, not the universal church. Right, yeah. He's writing to a very specific group of believers in Ephesus. Right. And again, it's a diverse group that normally wouldn't hang out. They would not invest in each other socially outside of the church. Something different is going on. And I just find his language so strong. In Ephesians 4, he says, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you. Some versions say plead with you. I mean, this is not just like, hey, a good idea, something, you know, motivational thing you put on a poster. He's like, hey, please live a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called, that ecclesia, that same idea. You've been yeah. called by God. Yeah. And immediately, one of the applications he has here is the way that they love one another. He says, always be humble and gentle. Wait, hold on. Let's slow down. Humble. Yeah. Gentle. Yep. Okay. 
be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Yeah. And he's just being like, hey, put up with each other. Uh, make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. And then he goes into the body principle. There's one body, one spirit. And then that yeah. reminds me of 1 Corinthians yeah. and his body metaphor. He yeah. says we're, uh, a local church is like a, a body. Yeah. Um, interrelated, interdependent. This yeah. is what we need. So this seems that Paul is saying this is like non-optional. Yeah, he's saying it. Yeah, he's saying he goes on verse 13 and 16. He talks about like maturity as there is unity. He says you will grow up in your faith yeah. as you do the work of investing in one another. So it's kind of this counter-American idea of Christianity that I yeah. can become more like Christ by myself, right? Yeah, yeah. He's saying, no, actually, you'll become more like Christ as you invest in one another and, and, you know, as you, Tish, invest in me and yeah. I invest in you and call out the best and encourage you and challenge right. you and you do the same for me. That's the only way we'll actually become like Christ is in the context of the church. You had a, you had a statement. You've said it before. Um, something like it's in order to grow up, you have to show up. Is, it, is that? Is that is yeah, that that's kind of my summary of Ephesians 4. <laughs> yeah, he, he talks about unity in the faith. Then we will become mature. And so I'm like, man, he's Paul is saying that the only way we grow up is to show up in the lives of the other folks yeah. who call Westgate home or whatever church people. Yeah, end up whatever, in. whatever church. If you're, yeah. and we do have people who are listening from um, across yeah. the nation. People write in, and they're they're part of a local body. And, and our encouragement always is, please be a part of a local body. Yeah, please show jump up. in. Show up in the life of your local church. It yeah. really matters. Why is that important? Well. <laughs> It's everything. Uh, I think, you know, if there was a day where, where there was too much emphasis on the church being a building or an institution or something like that, the pendulum swung to the point where people are like, the church isn't a building, it's it's people. It, the church is me. And that pendulum has swung so much, I think even during COVID, that it's like, I'm the church. I can stay at home in my PJs and worship God and grow in my faith in Jesus just fine by myself. Yeah. And that's just not true. It's just too individualistic. Yeah. 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 That's why it's important yeah it's also the other thing that's hard about it is it's not going to be easy yeah and 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 most of the time the stuff that in our current culture yeah that people are most committed to yes um like for example right now my son is getting probably 20 letters a day mm. from various colleges that want him to go to their college and oh, pay that's him awesome 80 to 100 one college no <laughs> because you know they're just all recruiting they yeah. but why yeah. do they want him to pony up a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars what's it? because it will benefit you you'll right. get a job this kind of thing we'll help you in the workforce i see what you're saying it's kind of a pitch like... it's a commitment because it benefits you yeah. now it also benefits them but it right. benefits you or like cars. Why do you pay so much money for a car? Yeah. Why Why would you have that kind of high car payment? Right. Well, because you get a car. You get that awesome car, that Audi or that BMW or, yeah. or that Lexus or whatever Lambo. it is. Let's go big. Oh, oh, sure. You're, yeah. Ferrari. Okay. That's that's absurd. <laughs> that's just not even a car. Helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> or like, why would you spend that much time in the gym? Yeah. Like, you're just saying culturally, like it's most commitment of the things we for say self- yes to... Is for our own benefit. Culturally, it does seem like high commitment is for high value of self. And the problem with this is that Jesus is washing people's feet yeah. as he's selling this. Yeah. Which means um, it will cost us, which, but, but it will also fill us. Yeah. One of the things that's interesting about you and I is we share something similar, is we both have really high 
value and a high vision and a high value of the local church. Yeah. Um, how did that start for you, and yeah. why is that so important to you? Because it's not it's not just because we're pastors, yeah. although. I mean, it is. Right. I think that it is because we're pastors, but it's not. Right. It, it, it predated that. It predated our call to the pastorate by decades. Your question's really good. I mean, and you're kind of nodding at something that probably not only you and I feel, but our listeners feel. Every time somebody brings up this passage, especially pastors love one another, there's two layers of cynicism, right? Resistance. The first is I've tried it. It, you know, it sounds really utopian, but how it works out in reality, like there's brokenness in the church. I've heard people, people have hurt me. Like yeah. I'll be cautious around it. There's some cynicism as well. I think that you kind of just pointed to, which is like, what's in it for me? Like if, are you just asking me to sign up to serve and help some need in the church, build some institutional kind of thing? Mm. Like this, like I can spend my time so many places. Why this, you know? And I don't have great um, arguments that would really help somebody out of that. Like I, I can definitely talk to that, and I think we should a little bit. I, I would say once you've tasted and experienced the power of the church, mm-hmm. somebody investing in you, mm-hmm. you realize you cannot experience that somewhere else. You know, the, yeah. the agape, the miraculous love of God flowing through the body right. that empowers you and grows you and heals you, that shapes you. It, it starts to click and make some sense. And, and this you, happened for you yeah, at a pretty pivotal time. time in your life. Big time, yeah. Yeah, I um, had an opportunity in my message to bring uh, a person on stage with me, introduce him to our community. His name's Brian Allen. And Brian was my youth leader uh, in these very pivotal, pivotal years. My dad died when I was 16. Um, I had just recommitted my life to Christ. And I was really... It was just a tender season in my life. Well, you're dealing with tremendous loss, tremendous yeah. grief. Yeah. And Brian steps in as your, your youth leader. Yeah. So what was so crazy is like, you know, I, I even when my dad was alive, I really experienced the absence of a father and then he died and it was kind of, you know, another wave of grief. But the church and the church alone, and I would just argue this over and over and over again, the church alone provided older brothers and, and spiritual fathers um, who would lead and guide me, even if someone's dad didn't die. The church uniquely has these older saints who will pour into our lives and help shape us. And uh, that was what Brian did for me. He just spent time with me. He, he, he shared his life and his faith and his challenges and prayed with me. And um, it made a gigantic impact on my life. I can't even b- believe, uh, like there was this one time, um, this other guy, this other spiritual father, um, he had no idea that I had financial need. My, my father was really the only breadwinner. And I was just walking around, I was praying like, God, we have some financial need. And this guy came up and he said, hey, God told me to ask you how much money you need. And he pulled out some cash and he was like, here's some cash and, and just handed me some cash. I just, there's like these miraculous stories of things wow. of God moving in my life through the church. It's hard to discount that stuff. Yeah. When you have a deep need, you pray to God and then God talks to someone else yeah and impresses upon them to do the very thing that you need it's real it's real hard to be cynical that god's not taking care of us through yeah, people right another yeah. guy i remember he he taught me some emotional health i remember him drawing me this is my youth pastor drawing um these little train 
you know, train cars. And he was like, Andy, I want to teach you emotional health. Like, you always got to put facts in the in the engine train, and then the the, the emotions always follow. Like, you know, I so remember, don't don't let your emotions yeah. lead. I mean, there's this thing, yeah, and these were always tied to scripture. They were always tied to their life and them sure. following Christ. Not and, that not that there's not a car called emotions. Right. It's that it should not drive. Right. It has to have its proper place. Yeah. There's all these. What What about you? Well. I, man, I, I've been thinking a lot about this because yeah. my son is in high school. Um, for me, when I was in, I think it was eighth grade or ninth grade, my kind of my parents decided, look, we're Midwestern folks. We're going to cobble together some values. You're going to church. And they enrolled me like in a confirmation class, <laughs> yeah. which is so strange. They didn't even really attend the church. Uh-huh. And in that, there was these youth leaders. And this, a couple of youth leaders stand out. One of them was a guy by the name of Jeff Schultz. Uh-huh. Jeff played basketball all the time. He loved basketball. He's He was like newly married. I think his wife might have been pregnant. And what he would do is he would just take all the youth and he would just play basketball with us. He'd invite us over. We He'd go to the church. He'd have us over at his house. Mm. And he was, now this is before cell phones. He would call me at my house and say, hey, Davey. He'd always call me Davey. Yeah. Well, he's the only human who's ever called me Davey. Except all of us now will no. all sort of refer to Davey. you as Davey. Davey, you want to come over and play basketball? Nice. Now, it sounds dumb. I yeah. mean, we put dozens and dozens of hours of basketball. Is that where you got your skills? No. So what happened, though, is I realized to my core that what he was doing was not playing basketball with me. Yeah. Or with us, with a bunch of us. He was saying, I really like you. Yeah. He was the first adult, I think, besides my parents, obviously, who I was convinced liked me. Yeah. And he represented God. Yeah. He's like, wow. It was a big deal. Because yeah, I was calling in, out that Imago Day. I was so in, I was so insecure as an yeah. adopted kid. Yeah. I like I wasn't I wasn't popular. I wasn't cool. I didn't know I didn't I didn't know any of this. Yeah. And this here was this awesome, cool amazing dude you know and what he, he did he did this for years he showed up he, he showed, showed up in your life you know and i don't know why that benefited him to your point you know like no he, he was you said newly married yeah yeah i mean he had a lot of places he could spend his time but this is what the church beautifully uniquely does he the also showed me up. he showed me uh, he showed me a bit of a little bit about marriage yeah but he showed me a lot about that kind of father I mean, older brother, lo- I mean, he, he love, he yeah. showed, and that was belonging. Yeah. And, and he would talk, I mean, obviously he would talk about Jesus. He would yeah. talk about Jesus in Sunday school, but because I knew he liked me, I was way more open to anything he had to say. Yeah. If he said anything, I was yeah. going to listen to him because yeah. I knew he actually cared about me. Mm-hmm. And so he, he has a monster, he had a monstrous impact on the landscape of my life just by constantly inviting me to play basketball. Yeah. Uh, I also remember he had a hairy back, and I didn't like guarding him because he would sweat, and there would be hair, and it, it was that's cool. It was hard for me. Can I share one? Since you're yeah. being funny, that one funny thing I yeah, actually emailed uh, my fourth grade Sunday school teacher. He's wow. been teaching fourth grade for forty years. Wow. His name's Ron, and I emailed him and said, "Hey, do you remember me? Like, what caused you to want to serve for forty years in the same area? Like, like, like he's really old, and he just is still serving where he can." And he said, "Yeah, I, you know, people kind of kept." asking me when my kid was in fourth grade if I would serve. And I resisted, resisted, but basically stepped in there and realized I'm wired for this. I'm wired to invest in the lives of kids. And I said, well, do you remember me? And he goes, absolutely. You were a quiet kid. And um, there was one Sunday where I was asking you all, do you remember the name of the garden where Jesus prayed, you know, on the night he would be betrayed? 
and you shot your hand up and said, yeah, it's the Garden of Yosemite. <laughs> All these years later, he remembers that. Not Gethsemane, uh-huh. Yosemite. Yosemite. And, um, you know, he was another pivotal guy, just a guy in the church, had yep. a day job, but um, not having a father. He we are was not talking father. about professional pastors. No. We're talking about average, ordinary, everyday humans who, who are actually showing up yeah. and pouring into the church. Yep. And um, he made a big difference. I think, again, fourth, fifth grade, that was a time in my life where I was beginning to think bigger concepts about God. And him being consistent and present made a big difference in my life. I'll tell you, Westgate's done this for me as well. Sure. And one of the first places that really blew me away, there's many of them, but was actually was our staff. I'd never been a part of a staff um, at a church where, like, after a big event, um, I watched the staff start to, like, tear down the the entire event, you know, pack pack up chairs, pack up the stage, roll up cables. And I was like, you're the senior pastor. You're the worship guy. You're the this, you're the that. Like everybody just was serving one another. And there was no division between paid pastors and people who were lay leaders or volunteer leaders in the church. And yeah. I went, whatever this is, is awesome. I want to be a yeah. part of it. Um, I want that cynicism in me to die that like, hey, well, mm. what's the reason that we're all doing this? That's good, yeah. And, and I, want, I want to be open to using my time in a way that actually loves my brothers and sisters. Yeah. That's amazing. Andy, thanks for your time. Um, again, can you give folks a final word of encouragement? You're a campus pastor. You see lots of folks in lots of different places. What's your general encouragement as people kind of come out of COVID? What would you say to them for whatever's next? Yeah, um, man, I would say this, Ephesians 1, uh, Ephesians 1 at verse 20 through 23. This is Paul's words about the church, not mine. I love this. Paul is talking about how Jesus is at the center of everything. And then he says this, at the center of all of this, Christ rules the church, the ecclesia. Those of you who are believers who are listening, Christ is at the center of the ecclesia, the church, Paul says, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts and by which he feels everything with his presence. And so whatever that means, jump in. Because we all have a role and we all have a place. And look, nothing's perfect. I get it. But like we could build something that through God's grace and God, his goodness can actually both heal us and heal others yeah and i I don't know what else to do i i I feel yeah i was healed by it you were healed by it we were given families when our own families i'm an adopted kid who was literally abandoned at the hospital god gave me literal parents but also he gave me a family you lost your dad he gave you a family yeah i it's yeah. not, a, it, yeah, it's just, it's a beautiful thing, man. So Yeah, God's called us together, love love one another. Yeah, so let's, let's do, do it. it. It's not the easiest thing, but man, it has been so good. Yeah. Thanks, Andy. Thank you. All right, hey, everybody, welcome. I'm here with Lisa Averill. Lisa. Hey, guys, how uh, are you? Oh, my gosh, so good to have you. <laughs> I'm liking your seagull uh, shirt. You guys can't see it, but man, it's quite It's not a, a seagull, it's a pelican. 
Oh, it's well, a, it's it's as like my daughter stuff. used to call it, my pecolin, because she couldn't pronounce pecolin. pelican. She called it the pecolin. Nice. Uh, they can't see it though, so that that works real well for a podcast, Lisa. <laughs> Thank true. you for that. I'm glad for a podcast today too, for other reasons. All right, Lisa. So, um, just to introduce you, folks might not know, but basically one of one of your roles, you have many roles, many hats, many things you do here, but is life groups yeah. and overseeing life groups, making sure that they function. It's kind of the smaller church community. And of course, when you're talking about loving one another, that's a core way, um, a central lifeline for people to experience being known, being seen, being valued, um, being loved, being cared for, yeah. and caring for one another. Um, so just out of this, you spoke at the Saratoga campus. I'm, I'm eager to hear what has been your experience with this love um, over COVID, what's your hope coming out of it? What have you seen? What lessons have you learned? Um, what have you seen? What trends just in, even in our own church Yeah. and, and how, what going forward, maybe advice or hopes or even, you know, excitement and dreams of what you think God might be doing as we frankly kind of rebuild yeah. coming out of COVID. Everyone's rebuilding coming out of COVID. And I don't mean that in a bad way, like something was wrong. It's just, we have to rebuild. Yeah. So just what what have you seen in terms of this loving one another, this mandate to be together? Yeah. I'd just love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, as a life group pastor, uh, the first thing that I noticed um, when we went into COVID is how grateful I was for the systems that we had in place before COVID mm. as far as life groups and that that was a value for us as a church in general. The people um, were already connected deeply in relationships. Many of our people, yeah, yeah were already connected. Yeah. And when in a week, literally, we had to go on Zoom, we had n and thought it would be for three weeks. <laughs> um, I think everyone was did a great job of making that happen. Um, but we were on a short-term mindset. Um, and what I found fascinating, Dave, was that um, the majority by far of our life groups actually had the highest attendance that they'd ever had, and they were going deeper, way faster than they'd ever been before. And we thought this would be the trend just for the three weeks that we thought we'd be in COVID. But week after week, and as time went on, groups continued to see that that weekly meeting together was their family. Like they couldn't see their physical family. Yeah. I mean, they could, the ones they were living with, but their extended family, when we were on lockdown, yeah. uh, people couldn't go anywhere. And this was the one group of people that knew them and that they were known by yeah. and could build into each other's lives and pray with each other. That was huge because everybody was at home. Yeah. Like everything had changed for everyone and you didn't have to um, figure it all out just on your own, yeah. right? And so that to me um, made me really proud of our church that this has been something that has been in our DNA from the beginning that we know we can't do this life alone. We were never meant to do it alone. Yeah. So that focus on that. and But um, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing to do. So see. for you, it kind of reinforced this idea that um, in a time of deep separation for a lot of people, yeah. the hunger for connection um, is so deep and so human yeah. that people are doing. So coming out of COVID, like what kinds of, like what kind of things are you excited about? Yeah. Or what kinds of things are you seeing even in our church as people come out? Yeah. Cause it does seem to me like when people came out of COVID people, the people I've talked to are like, man, COVID didn't, um, form something in me. It revealed something. And yeah. the things that it revealed weren't necessarily great. Yeah. 
Well, and just so you understand, even though the majority of our groups, uh, it was a very positive experience, there were other groups that it caused some real friction. I mean, if we think back, right? Like yeah. politics and racial um, injustice issues and now with vaccines and all this, don't let me get across the message that there haven't been bumps in the road. But what I've seen is leaders like really um, lean into their shepherds, lean into us as staff, um, help us help our people. They're, we have, because Westgate is so inviting, right? That's one of our core values too, is we are um, open for anyone mm-hmm. to be a part of our community, uh, wherever you are in your faith. So in our in our smaller groups and in our church in general, we have that. We have others that have been Christ followers for years and all kinds of people of um, different mindsets and every spectrum of each of those issues. So how do you, how do you come together? Like, and have unity and it's messy and their willingness to go through the messy and not just say I quit Hmm. or not just say as a group we quit it's the hard work of being a part of the body and if you understand what church really is and it's not a destination but it's who we are that we're brothers and sisters we don't have the option always of just cutting you off and never I mean that's the unhealthy yeah, um, and yeah. again, th- I'm not saying there's not a season that maybe a church just has so gone far from right. We're believe. not talking about toxicity no, or narcissism. No. We're just talking about the real, real you know messiness we, of life. We kind of disagree on this. Yeah. So, so being willing to listen, being willing to agree to disagree. So, how can I sacrifice maybe a little bit of what I think I'd like to do for the sake of you? Yeah. And how might you do that for me? Well, also, you're talking about a posture of humility, a yeah. posture of listening, a posture of grace, yeah. a posture of compassion. Uh, th- those go a long way. Yeah. Um, if you think about the divisions that you've seen, it's the people who are graceless, compassionless, and who don't have humility. That, yeah. that That's where the rifts really come. Yeah. Um, so what, what was on the cutting room floor that you didn't get to talk about that you kind of wish you... You had, um, because there's a lot that we can say about love one another, you know? Yeah, I mean, I did a ton of reading early on more about why we're not in church, why so many people aren't, because, I mean, you know, we know it's different, and there's so many reasons, and we don't want to get into guilting people or shame or any of that. So Um, how is church different after the pandemic? As you look at it, because things have shifted. So what what, what would you say are one or two things that are fundamentally different or have shifted? Um, What about those people that really just over this last year and a half have really grown away from and church is no longer a priority and they, it, is it really worth their time? Mm. You know, um, only time will tell with that. And I think it's just that, gracious coming alongside as friends of people that are in that position and just listening. Because when you opened, you talked about people who are in deeply connected life yeah. groups. So what if you weren't? Exactly. Like, and and there, there's a sense, I do I do sense, just even in our friend group and the people we know, um, almost like people who weren't tethered to the space shuttle. They just kind of drifted off into space. Yeah. And um, some, some of them I can't see anymore. Yeah. Like they, the, there's new habits. Um, one of the things you did mention was... It's a renewed opportunity for us to stare at what the Bible says community is, yeah. what it means to love one another. And that's not always easy. And that's, but for a lot of people, they're saying, yeah, it might not be easy, but I've been alone. I know what separation is. It's not worth it. Yeah. So what, um, 
what what advice do you have to folks who say it's hard, but I'm, I'm I think sometimes one of the things that's hard is we don't expect it to be hard. We expect it to be easy. Yeah. It's like marriage isn't, we think it's the white picket fence and we all live happily ever after. I don't know where we ever got that idea. Well, yeah, we just do. We just think it's going to be easier than it is. Um, Tell me a little bit about properly set our expectations because you've been doing this for a while, but then also help us see the beauty. Does does that make sense? Yeah. Well, with anything that's worth anything, you you have to take a risk. It's going to cost you something. So whether it costs you your time, mm. um, and we're all busy, left to ourselves, you know, an hour and a half once a week or every week, it, it's um, we don't have a lot of extra to give. So number one, it's it will cost you something. The flip of that though is what you gain from it is priceless. Like I, I have a, a ladies' life group. We've been meeting for three years now. Wow. Over COVID, there's about 14 of us in the group. Over COVID, four of them. So do the math. What is that? Like four to 14. Or something, something like that. Uh, moved out of state and all to different states, Dave. And so um, I thought, oh, my goodness, we're losing our life group. You know, like they're there. But we stayed together because we were on Zoom. And what I'm noticing is each of them, um, as they've moved, have reached out and said, Girls, you don't even begin to know how you are my lifeline, how wow. you're speaking into our lives on Monday, how you are my friend group. Because I moved to this state, I know z- zero people. And because COVID shut down, they probably couldn't get to meet people. Exactly. Right? And they're, they're looking for churches. Maybe one of them has found one, but it's not really open. So, sure. so there, I, I am so surprised. We're supposed to, don't tell anyone, shut down in the summer and give your life group leaders a break, right? Well, our group wanted to stay together. Because they, they want to they're keep just, meeting. Yeah, because yeah. They, many of these gals don't have other people outside of our group because they're in communities now where they don't know anybody. So it's just funny to me in lieu of just a teaching this weekend about roots going far in the redwood tree. It's not about the depth. It's about the width. And because we spent three years intertwining our lives together, that they're literally hundreds and hundreds of miles away, but they feel tethered and they're standing strong because we meet regularly where we're praying for each other and in the word together and just encouraging us like, where's Jesus in your life this week? You know, how has he felt distant? How has he felt close? What what are you doing? How are you doing life this week? So um, it is a sacrifice. I get it. If you've been in a group before and it was a negative experience, I'm so sorry. I really am. I, I know the the, the thought is just run for it. I never want to do it again. But could this be the time that you would risk and try stepping in, trusting that this could be different, that this could be different? Yeah, yeah. All right, anything you want to pitch in terms of folks who are maybe listening to this and they feel that, they say, Lisa, I feel that. I also, I too have felt lack. I want to I want yeah. to jump in. What What are your advice? Because we, we got some cool ways to... What are your thoughts? Well, starting this next weekend, the 22nd, we're going to have three weeks of what we're calling now Next Steps. Um, And it's just an opportunity to go out to um, the outside and talk with some people who can help you kind of figure out as you look about how how you want to connect, what your next step might be in this family, in this grove of redwood trees, if you will. Um, You know, it's going to be different for each of us. Right. So I'd say... 
maybe that's your next step. It's not scary. These your next are, step is to figure out your next step. Figure out your take and take a step. Actually Ooh, walk out. I love that. I yeah, love that. be brave. I mean, so for some people it could be uh, one of the things that's interesting. For some people it could be going to Alpha, finding out yeah, more about the faith because yeah, those those are smaller labs where people can connect. For some people it might be serving. Absolutely. You know, there are so many connections that are made through side by side. Totally. Um, yeah. Serving you know, together. my junior, uh, my high school son, he's not junior high. My high school son serves at junior high ministry and he gets so much out of it. Yeah. He gets to hobnob and be around these really neat young adult leaders, Joey Manzi, who's the leader of it. And he gets a ton of, and he gets up in the morning on Sunday mornings, Lisa, wow. at 8.30 a.m. on what? a Sunday, drives he's himself to be, to be a leader because... Yeah. Because serving has has filled him up so much. Yeah. And so that's another example. But there's also there's also life groups. Yep. Um, there's lots of different ways. There's lots of different ways. So I encourage you to go out to and chat with somebody in person um, and let them hear a little bit of your story. Just yeah. let them know kind of where you're at, what you yeah. what you what your feeling might be a next. So yep. your team will be out there to almost yep. like troubleshoot. And one of the things Absolutely. I know you love to do is to get people plugged in. I do. That's you're like an internet router. You just <laughs> You love getting people connected. Well, you know why, Dave? Because I know the benefit of it. Totally. I do. And we are living in a time where isolation is literally killing people, right? So now is not the time to step back. It's this time to step forward. Oh. And with God, I think, oh my goodness, I don't know. I almost want to like money back guarantee. You know, yeah, it's going to be gonna a good be awesome. thing. I'm excited. So. I'm excited about our opportunity to rebuild deeper roots, be a better, yeah. deeper redwood tree yep. growth than we were even before yep and least, it's, it's yeah. deep in with god but it's wide with each other yeah. and we were meant for that lisa thanks thanks you're welcome time. thanks for having me and your seagull shirt oh, pelicans okay <laughs> all right sorry <laughs>